1: Welcome to City of God, a podcast of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Dr. Owen Strand, and I'll be your host. Join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the city of God. Welcome to City of God. Today on the podcast, how Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden recently endorsed, without qualification, an eight-year-old making a gender transition. This shocked many of us beyond words, really. Here's a direct quote from a forum at which Biden spoke on this issue: "The idea that an eight-year-old child or a ten-year-old child," Biden said, "decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It'd make my life a lot easier. There should be zero discrimination," Biden said. End quote. This was reported by CBS News and many outlets. It caused a storm uh, when when it was initially reported, and for understandable reasons here is the democratic presidential candidate in 2020 making the statement that an eight-year-old child can decide to be transgender and this presidential candidate a man in his 70s i i know with grandchildren says that there should be zero discrimination against this sort of view well let's be very clear here as we engage biden's words Uh, There shouldn't be discrimination in an anti-human sense. An eight-year-old or a ten-year-old who has any number of desires must be treated as a human being, and the Christian church believes must be treated as an image-bearer, and must be shown as much as we can compassion and love caught in whatever circumstance is producing such tremendous chaos and confusion. On the other hand, however, there must be immense conviction. Convictional discrimination, in air quotes, brought to bear on this situation. In other words, this is exactly what fathers and mothers are for. We have to discriminate in the sense that we make moral judgments and ethical judgments for the good of our children. This isn't something only Christians believe, though we have the foremost reason to believe it because of the Word of God. This is what fathers and mothers stand for. This is why there are fathers and mothers, so that children can be shepherded and guided into adulthood in the most basic human terms in a civilizational sense but friends tragically in this era all that is collapsing all that is ebbing away and, and no fringe figure no political uh radical is making this pronouncement this is not something in an unhinged rant that is being said this is a distinguished person Political figure in a public forum saying that an eight year old should be able to make a gender transition. This is stunning stuff. We need to recognize, in my view, in light of an event like this, a few things. Number one, we need to recognize that the political landscape is not what it used to be. And we need to know as Christians that while the Word of God does not tell us which party to vote for in a given election, And while there is furthermore much gray area in political matters, Christians who live in America in 2020 are faced with two stark alternatives when it comes to this presidential election. One party is more or less for a pro-life position and more or less for a traditional understanding of the human person and the role of government and the limits of government and these sorts of things. And the other party is ardently pro-choice, is pro-transgender transition, is pro-big government, is pro-riots and protests, is pro-government lockdowns. And we need to think very carefully and clearly in this election season about our vote and who we support. I, for one, want to be careful about not making a vote necessarily, as much as I can, an issue of sin, because I want to make issues of sin what the Scripture explicitly calls sinful, as much as I possibly can, of course. But we also do have to use biblical reasoning in a world like ours, a fallen world like ours, and recognize that there are not going to be perfect choices in this world, and yet Christians are called to face an imperfect situation with as much wisdom as we can. And that means that we have to adjudicate between alternatives. You could almost say we have to discriminate between alternatives, meaning that in the right way, such that we come to the best ethical and moral decision we can. This does not mean that there is a political party or candidate that is perfect in this presidential season in terms of broader elections as well. There is no perfect choice. I think, actually, Christians should be relieved from the burden of trying to make a perfect political choice. I think a lot of us actually feel that. It's not that our vote for a candidate in any election is weightless, as if it's just something that vanishes into the air. Our vote is something. Our vote matters. It should matter, therefore, to us, and we should take our vote seriously. But we shouldn't fall prey to the other extreme in our thinking, either. We shouldn't think that the person we vote for needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There is not going to be a political candidate in any election, from the school board in your local district all the way up to the president of America, who is a perfect candidate. So in a lot of circumstances, you are going to have to use wisdom and discretion to choose the candidate who cues as closely as you can discern to your biblical worldview, your biblical ethics, your biblical ideals, the truth. That is not you being a compromising believer. Friend, hear this. That is you being a Christian who is seeking to be salt and light, Matthew 5, 17-20, in a thoroughly imperfect world, and in a season in American life where things really do seem in a lot of ways to be darkening, meaning that we truly do not have ideal choices before us in any number of levels of government and politics. The truth is, we never have, and yet today there seems to be this extra pressure put on the church that many Christians feel, such that we feel like we have to have, if not an ideal candidate, something very close to uh, almost a pastor figure running for office who really powerfully Embodies all the ideals we stand for. Look, friends, that's what we want. That's what we pray for. We want Christians in our local churches to to hear the message of Christ, to hear the whole counsel of God preach from the pulpit on a weekly basis, and we want God to summon them into political life. We want them to serve their country. We want them to to bear the sword in a Romans thirteen sense to the glory of God. We want that, but we also have to recognize. That there are not going to be ideal, impeccable candidates in the public square. And so it is not wrong to choose the candidate who is closest to your biblical worldview, to your principles that are formed and shaped by Scripture and Scripture alone. You're not compromising if that is how you are approaching this election. In actual fact, I think you are using the wisdom and discretion, and courage accessible to you through the Spirit underneath the authority of the Word of God. That is a gift that you have actually from God and in really common grace terms that you are able to play a tiny part locally, statewise, and yes, nationally in terms of electing officials. This isn't a bad thing. This isn't something that you should think you have to opt out of because you might actually have to cast a vote for somebody who who is not a believer or something like this. Friends, we've got to do a little real politic here. For the rest of our lives, if we still have the privilege of voting, democratic privileges, republic privileges, we're going to have to vote for one imperfect candidate after another. And by the way, even if we ourselves... Were to leave our lofty perch from on high and run for office, we would be an imperfect candidate that other people would have to vote for and hold their nose in doing so in certain respects. There is no perfect politician. There is no perfect party. This does not collapse all candidates and parties into a soupy mass as if there's no differentiation to make between them. There surely is. There's all sorts of differentiations to make. There's all sorts of carefulness and thoughtfulness and principle to bring to bear on the political process now and in future days, but we must do so realistically. We, we need to be idealistic as much as we can be, but we also have to be realistic. That's the first thing I would say in light of this story. Christian, uh, know that your vote is not weightless, as if it's nothing, but also know that your vote is not everything, as if it is your personal fifty seven point statement of faith that you will be evaluated by by everyone around you immediately after you cast it. Participate in this democratic process as much as you can to the glory of God, knowing that this world is fallen and it's going to be fallen. And so our call is not to idealize the world or imminentize the eschaton, but to do the best job we can by the power of the Spirit with the time we have. Second, we need to just remember, and I've been touching on this, that our society in America in 2020 really has exchanged the truth about God for a lie. We see that in Romans one twenty five, That's what I'm quoting. What do I mean? I mean that in increasing measure today, we have a society that is composed of lie upon lie. What do I mean here? This, that our, our public square and a large extent of our society is animated by the following body of ideology. There's no creator. There's no imago Dei in the human person. There's no sanctity of life for the unborn. There's no divine design of the man and the woman. You can be transgender, it's of no account. There's no Christ-church covenant that earthly marriage is a picture of, an imperfect picture of, and yet a meaningful picture of. There's no God-glorifying roles for men and for women. Remember, there's no such thing as manhood and womanhood. And there's finally no Christocentric telos to humanity and the cosmos. This isn't all headed somewhere. It's not all going to be summed up in Christ, even as that has already begun through the, the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. No, 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 no scratch all of that we are living in a time of ascendant neo-paganism and in such times there is no creation order and in such times societies like ours tragically are built of lie atop lie that is where we are to say that there is no creator is a lie to say that there is no imago day in every person, every person being an image-bearer, to put that more uh, specifically. To say that there's no Imago Dei, that's a lie. To say that there's no such thing as manhood and womanhood. T- to say, furthermore, that your brain sex can differ from your biological sex, which is what many transgender activists argue, that is a lie. We can go on, but the point should stand. We're living on a very fragile Balance right now of lie atop lie, and it cannot stand. You say, okay, Strand, where's it going then? I don't know. I don't know how long this lasts. I don't know how long God grants common grace to America and the West. I I have no idea. I do know, thankfully, that there are actually a lot of folks out there who have what you could call a traditional worldview. And then there are a a great number, uh, actually, of people who have a biblical worldview born of a born-again experience in the name and person and work of Jesus Christ. So I'm not over here being a doomsdayist and saying it's going to all topple tomorrow. I just know that this is not a workable fix to have a society and a culture that is lie upon lie. Something in literal terms has to give. We don't know when it will. We pray it won't be soon. We pray that God grants us ongoing common grace. We pray that fathers and mothers across this country will rise up and disciple their children and not abandon them to the LGBT movement and its lobby and its lies. But friends, the hour is late. Now is the time for us to be the church. Now is the time for us to be salt and light. Now is the time for us to seek to reach out as much as we can as God would allow in order to tell the truth in the public square, speaking the truth in love Ephesians 4:15, so that eight-year-olds are rescued. From a transgender transition. Thanks for listening to City of God, a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man.